At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. What's up? I just wanted to be unusually uh, expert today. <laughs> Listen, so, uh, I had your back. I was with yeah, you. Yeah, I know. I heard you. You were already ready to jump <laughs> oh in. God, I feel like you, crazy. I feel like Janelle Wheeler, you just keeping yourself restrained oh from doing that God. most of the time on here. Yes. So. Yeah, which is why we love and appreciate wow. you. Um, so good. Welcome back to uh, season three of Comic Book Nation. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw. And with me from the always excellent comicbook.com staff, I got Matthew Aguilar. What's up? And Janelle Wheeler. Hello. And today, guys, we got some fun stuff to talk about. I'm real excited. The trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home finally arrived. And it's been a few days. We've had some time to absorb, to kind of let it soak in. And now we got theories. It's time to go back down the rabbit hole. So today we go back down the Marvel rabbit hole, talk about Spider-Man theories, what it all means. Janelle's favorite hunk of Mr. Marvel guy, Dr. (laughs) Strange. We got a lot to talk about there. And yeah, but we also got some punk man for uh, Matt to talk about because we're going to review The Witcher, The Witcher, and the new anime prequel, Nightmare of the Wolf. It is out on Netflix. If you haven't seen that, you check that out because that is worth watching. But we are going to give a kind of full review of The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf. Plus, we got new episodes of Marvel's What If to talk about DC's Titans. Both of those shows kind of had really pivotal weeks this week. So we're going to talk about what we saw on the screen there. And as you know, this is Comic Book Nation. So we have some new comic books to talk about and uh, a lot of stuff in between. So let's get to it. All right. Right up top, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. So um, this Spider-Man trailer did. It was kind of the first teaser and it did pretty much what you think a teaser would do. Right. It kind of set the stage for where we're at after Far From Home, like what's going on with Peter Parker and company and kind of what the galvanizing turn is to make this movie happen with Dr. Him and kind of Dr. Strange uh, seemingly messing with things and kind of unleashing this multiverse problem that, that allows villains from across the multiverse to gather up and kind of unite against Tom Holland, Spider-Man. Now, of course we know there's more to that. This trailer also basically put a stamp on all the rumors we've heard about no way home that, are going to be true that this movie is going to be filled with probably surprises of cameos and people from past Spider-Man movies and probably a big finale with Holland and Garfield and Tobey Maguire all teaming up. Um, So that's, that's kind of, we can put a much more semi official stamp on all of that, but the trailer also raised some new questions, right? So we know we're getting a Sinister Six, and uh, if you've been keeping count of who we kind of got teases from in this trailer, so far we got a pumpkin bomb from Green Goblin in the last. Yes. 
we saw Alfred Molina's Doc Ock because they were just like, you don't ruin your thing. You don't get any of that special surprise money. You, you, you're out there in the trailer now since you ran your mouth. So he's out there. <laughs> we saw um, many kind of signature hints of Jamie Foxx's Electro in a more green and yellow comic accurate fashion. Uh, mm-hmm. There was one fan who did a good job kind of breaking down in slow-mo one scene with Peter talking that seemed to reveal a surprise attack from the lizard coming at him. So rise Iphen's uh, lizard from the amazing Spider-Man might be lurking. Yes. Uh, there was one scene that looked like a boss battle from the Marvel Spider-Man video game that looked like Electro and Sandman kind of <laughs> working together. And Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman from Spider-Man three might be back in this, or if they just want to save money, just a generic CGI, you know, Sandman, you know, however they do that. Uh, so that's five, right? We got five. So that leaves number six, correct? Uh, I don't think we have, I don't think we've confirmed number six, have we? I think number six is still an open slot for surprise. And yeah. there's one possibilities for that, right? Um, obviously pulling from the Marvel Sony trilogy, you could have Michael Keaton's Vulture kind of busted out, but that's kind of honky because it seems like he's still locked up when Morbius happens and whatever the timeline is with that. I'm not sure how that all works, but uh He's over there, too, so I'm not sold on that. You could do something. There's a lot of theories out there. People are saying that, you know, all is still not what it seems and that Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio is still somehow out there lurking and wrapping all this. And Mysterio is a classic member of the Sinister Six and could be kind of wrapped up in this in some kind of way. Or there's room for other big surprises since the multiverse seems wide open. Something like Eddie Brock's Venom, but that'd be kind of weird that to something not, to make him. That is not happening. <laughs> yeah. I would like that. <laughs> hey, man. hey man, we're going. Nothing's off the table, Matt. Nothing's off the table. But that, no, I mean it would be kind of weird because Eddie Brock's Venom, like, is I mean in his own film franchise as the hero, so that'd be right. kind of a weird turn, and for him to immediately have beef with Spider-Man with no basis or context would be. Oh, really? That'd be Spider-Man. And there's no way they're getting Topher Grace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> back into that version. Yeah, know. so, um, or there's something, or a big surprise. I, I still think they could pull a big surprise, like somehow wrap up James Franco's, you know, behind back in this, but that would be okay. kind of a, oh, that'd, be, that'd be a big one. He loves oh, that boy. kind of stuff. Dude, that dude has been like a guy getting hung on the cross as a cameo, like or like getting hung in a execution as a cameo. Like, yeah. he, he'll do anything. That's so. true. There's a lot of room for surprises. I mean, so everybody in the comments, give us your best. Oh, you guys already are giving they're us getting, your best. They're getting yeah, vultures. They don't wait. wait. They're we're getting waiting. several vultures. Ooh, we missed one. Somebody said this would also be a pretty, uh, I mean, pointed out, and you're right, this would be a pretty spectacular kind of debut for Aaron Taylor Johnson's Craven the Hunter. Would also mm. be another one that could come. So Crow said, "Yeah, can we get this. a good Craven?" That was like the original thing we had for No Way Home, right? That Craven would be coming in here and maybe hunting down Spider-Man and Doing all that, it's hard like to keep all those rumors straight. Really? Yeah, I don't know, man. So we'll have to see. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see who this next uh, Sinister Six member is. Oh, we've even had Paul Giamatti's Rido. Okay, out. here's the thing. Can we get some? I, I wouldn't mind that just because maybe we can do it right. Because it was so terribly done last time. Maybe justice for for Rhino a little bit and like redo that because like it was Paul Giamatti. It was Paul Giamatti, and that was so terrible. <laughs> like, he deserves a 2.0. It's all. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. That's my uh-huh. wish. I will say, 
I think it's Vulture. I always, with Marvel, I always go the simpler answer is probably the most likely. Several so. people in the chat say the same thing. Um, we, I think we might have lost our yeah, feed to Twitch, but that's okay. The show must go on. Yeah, we're still on Facebook. <laughs> we're still on Facebook. We're still on YouTube. So oh, is that what that stuttering ready? was? Yeah. I was wondering what that was. Okay, good to know. Yes, yeah. I think we've lost our connection to Twitch. So if you guys are uh, checking us out on Twitch, I'll like throw it in the chat. You can jump over to Facebook or YouTube. Yeah. And we're still there and refresh. Come on, <laughs> Twitch. Yeah. Twitch. Come Twitch. on, Twitter down earlier. The now fact Twitch. that this is the first time this has happened to us on this podcast is a, a miracle. You I can't know, tell you bad. how many times my streams have crashed. That's a good yeah. point. Look, yeah. look at that positive. Yeah. I love that positive. But all in all, we it looks love like Twitch. I think we're back. You also. know what's awesome though? The ads are still running, so that's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's back. Oh, Jim says it's back. We're I back. Think we're back. Okay, yeah. so welcome we're back. back. Anyway, so now to uh, lose too much time for our listeners, we're probably like, "What are they talking about?" We're <laughs> just doing the audio. <laughs> edit <version>. it out. <laughs> Sorry, we had a streaming crash. <laughs> it happens, but um, so that's the thing. Let's get into the real nitty gritty here. Janelle, do you think this was the real Doctor Strange we got in the Heck Spider-Man? No. And if it is, Go I'm off, done sis. with this film. If the, if they do my boy like Go they off, did sis. Iron Oh, oh, oh gosh, I have Oof. some things. If this is strange, I will I don't know. I I might I might be I'll be very angry with Marvel if if Strange really just throws everything away. Like his entire reason for becoming like people are like this is a theory. Well, Doctor Strange has a big ego now because he saved the world and he predicted this end and end game and he was behind it all. No, his whole thing is that he had to drop the ego to gain his powers. Like he would lose all of his essence of who he is and his powers if he gets an ego again. I would be I would be so mad if I would be extremely upset. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons <laughs> I'm not buying it either, um, but I think the trailer, I, like, because I've been kind of mulling over this. The scene where he meets Strange in the Sanctum and it's frozen and that whole thing with the coffee cup and Strange kind of winking at him and doing the spell anyway, unless they really do some good context in the actual film to back up how Peter's convincing him, like, this is a necessary step. That's a really weird decision for Doctor Strange right. to make. Yeah. And to go against and, Wong like that. Like Yeah, and it's a and it's a really weird wave it kind of crucial. He's making the decision to take on this crucial spell to affect the minds of people all like all over the yeah. world. And then he bungles the spell. Like Give me Loki. What if yeah, it's like, Loki? But that's what I'm saying. Like I, I feel like Loki likes to wink. I feel like this is kind of, I don't think it's Loki. <laughs> I'm just throwing something else out there other than the yeah. one thing that everyone is saying. That was awesome. I right? still think that like just the way the scene plays out and how the spell is unfolding, it's something that could still be a Mysterio <gasps> trick. If you look Jason, at Jason Abercrombie, that's a great. Oh, the uh, chameleon. Thing. Yeah. Ooh, I that's like a great it. one. I oh, like that kind theory. of thinking. Yeah. The thinking that it's the chameleon. That would Wait, be pretty I, great. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I agree with Janelle on that, that like, I'm not sold. It's Mephisto. I already saw, I know there's like 90 things now. Like, oh my God, it's Mephisto. Mephisto. Everyone. Okay. I'm just trying to throw something else out there. I feel like I agree with you both that it seems very odd behavior for a dude that in Infinity War 
told Iron Man that like I'll let you die and essentially he, and he let himself skull. die like he was right. like I will get za- I will be dusted and so now hoping that this works yeah. the entire like world's thinking for like one person's life to be better or you know what I mean like I understand now they might explain it to where like well this it's not like Peter told everybody and now wants to take back his mistake like in the this comic was, this was done to him so right. maybe that's the thing that swings straight. I still think it like doesn't make any sense within the greater context of who Doctor Strange is at this point. It seemed very odd that like, oh yeah, that was all he needed to be convinced. But I think, yeah, I think uh, Chameleon or maybe Mysterio, maybe that's where he fits into this. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think you could also, if you didn't want to invest in Chameleon, it's, Mysterio and Chameleon are great guys. You can kind of combine and switch, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. could say the one that died was Chameleon. You could say that, oh, you know, it's Chameleon wow. who's kind of inherited Mysterio's stuff. Because oh. if you look at that scene again in the spell, it's a scene that you could later reveal was just all light show and tricks. Mm-hmm. And that what happens is they're pulling off this con. And as Janelle says, it's just the kind of it just how happens to be a con they're pulling off as Sylvie is putting a sword through who he who remains and on this cosmic level. And all of a sudden it's like oh no, there really is a break in the multiverse and like something happens and we were just playing around, but this is real. Like, and this is kind of a real thing because I think later on a real Dr. Strange may show up and be like, what the hell has been going on here? Yeah. Which I would love. I I can please let him be his character. I will say it is very exciting to see such a Doctor Strange heavy presence in the trailer and then therefore in the film. Like, even if it isn't him, it's just really cool to see, like, how much he is in this film. Because I thought that he was just going to make a little tiny cameo, maybe, like, something quick. But it seems like he is, like, he's integral to the storyline, and this is going to be really cool to see him in it so much as a big fan. Okay, so this does look, bring Spider-Man that is not the, allowed to be in these films without right, some kind of okay. surrogate chaperone father. This There's, does bring that into play. No, 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 this no, no. Trailer, not the, the most exciting parts of this trailer, like the reason I'm excited for this movie after this trailer, has a lot to do with the Doctor Strange stuff. Yes, agreed. And not very much to do with I, Spider-Man, Tom Holland, Spider-Man. Like yep. the others, you know, coming in from the other movies, Sam Raimi movies, all that stuff. But like, Again, I feel like I'm going to say the same thing after this. I hope I hope I don't. But right now, I'm at the same point I am with every Spider-Man movie in the MCU, which is I just want to see Tom Holland have a Spider-Man adventure. And I don't need like I love Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I don't need every single movie to be Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Even though I will stump for Firestar being in the MCU. Well, yeah, and I and I love it because I'm getting rewarded with Strange. But right. no, you're totally correct. And this is something that, you know, everybody on this podcast said that like, okay, it's not going to be the Peter Parker show. Like this is going to be about everyone else in it. And like you guys called it from the jump. And listen, now it's even more so. Listen, uh, respectfully, as they say these days, I, I just want to say this might just be further evidence, you know, that it's building also in Marvel Comics that, Peter Parker as a character, maybe he's just running out of steam on being sustainable as a character. Like we might have oh, run out of steam take. on Peter Parker. Give I, me I, some I, miles. Ooh, I'll take. I, I, I'm just saying, like, how much more can we do with Peter Parker? He, what's he going to do? He's going to cry over Uncle Ben. He's going to fall in love with MJ, 
and struggle with his dual identity and you know have like all these problems and it's just like see that though on film because th- but we they all kind of know talk. it and they have yeah. spider-verse and now there's like it's it's gotten so embedded in our culture that we're now doing like postmodern takes on spider-man's origin <laughs> in spider-verse right like that's yeah. it's, it's just kind of like this crazy thing we're doing now so it, it's been I, I don't know how much people are signing up and want to be interested in that particular character anymore. And so they've just started padding Peter as kind of like, you know, a backboard for a lot of other stuff. I mean, that's the comics, too. It's not just on the screen. Like every other right. Spider-Man comic event is like him with somebody else. There's like an entire spider family now. Like, it, it's just. OK, to be fair, yeah. the spider family's been around for a minute. But like, I know, that's but like, that's, that's like that's not a good years. thing. That's like, yeah, I know. But, that's an endorsement that we're like that's this horse was character. dead a long time ago. No, because Batman's not dead. Batman's still doing stuff, and there's been a Bat family for like the last twenty years, and there's like ninety of them. <laughs> like having multiple characters based on one franchise doesn't mean it's fizzling out. If anything, it means it's selling well, and they just want to keep capitalizing on the thing. So I don't think Spider-Man as a character, sorry, not Spider-Man, Peter Parker as a character is dead by any means because we just got Marvel Spider-Man Insomniac did a great game based mm-hmm. on Peter Parker and they found new ways to you know mess with that character a little bit and and still play with the formula of course but that's that's comics it's been like 75 years of character stuff and these characters aren't dead now I will grant you the last year and a half of Spider-Man hadn't been my cup of tea but someone else like there's a whole new creative team coming on the book and that could just change things right away, right? So, I mean, I just think that's the nature of comics. I agree with you, though, as far as the movies are concerned. I, I do not need to see the origin of right. most most of these, like, huge marquee name characters over and over again. Because, yes, there are some that haven't seen it. But like Hovi said, most know. Most, most know, know yeah. Uncle Ben. Most know the pearls dropping with Batman. <laughs> there are certain things that are just embedded, whether you've seen these or not. So, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I'm not think I'm not trying to crap on Peter Parker. I actually like Peter Parker a lot. I mean, he's fundamental, you know, superhero to my love of comics and superheroes. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know. It, I don't see how you can go back now. Like, I don't see how you can do a Spider-Man two again. You know what I mean? Like, that was probably the best, most intensive kind of Peter Parker focused film out of any in the franchise, and and it was a very deep Peter Parker story at that. And one of the best Peter Parker stories I think I've read or seen or read. And, and I don't see how we can go back to that because I don't ever see us being able to at people, audiences being satisfied with just a Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland, his love interest and, and like one villain, like that's never happening again. Like we're just, that's just the cost of this MCU stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I agree mm-hmm. with you. I just don't think that's a referendum on Peter Parker. I think that's a referendum on, they want to shove as many other things in like they want to make the most of these movies with this character because it's not completely Marvel's. And I think right? the writing's on the wall from like the Captain America stuff. Like I think the next time you'll have a kind of smaller character focused movie, it'll be Miles Morales. Like or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I like that. Or Spider Gwen. Yeah. Or Spider Gwen. Spider Woman. Spider Woman, Spider Gwen. Like, yeah, and all that stuff. And so that's the I think that's how that will kind of for that franchise will get back to the kind of smaller character focused stuff or prowler. Yeah. Peter Parker is going to have some homies with him for the, for the, for the duration. He's part of the gang now. Or and cardiac. It's blood I, in I, blood out. But I am more interested in this. Like I really wasn't very interested in, in 
any kind of Spider-Man content. And then now that all of these things are happening, I will say, like, I think it's broadening people's horizons. I think they're getting more excited about the film if Spider-Man isn't their favorite or something. So, I mean, job well done. They're doing the right thing. If they want people in the theaters from all the different fan bases, <laughs> they're like dipping into like all of these different <laughs> like pools of people. <laughs> and you got to remember the end of this film could very much be oh, after all this big explosive multiverse crazy character overload, just boiling it all back down to a referendum on who's Spider, kind of Spider-Man affirming who he is and kind of stepping out on his own, which is Kevin Feige and them shoving. Kevin Feige and him shoving him out the door and be like, "You're on your own now, Sony." Yeah, and I'm like, go play with Venom. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> mess it up. We we got you here. Don't mess it up. But uh, we'll see how we'll see what develops. But um, yeah, Spider Man No Way Home. Let us know what you guys thought of the trailer. You've you've broken down a lot of theories on who Doctor Strange is, who else is showing up in this movie, and all that good stuff. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, before we break, we're gonna take one more Marvel note. It looks like we could be getting. One of the uh, more unexpected characters we ever thought we'd get like a Marvel project could be getting one just in time for the Halloween season. And uh, that report is that Marvel Studios is developing a Halloween special for Disney Plus based on Werewolf by Night. <laughs> oh, man. So basically, Werewolf by Night is a Marvel character. There's been several iterations of it. Uh, Jack Russell. It's basically like the werewolves from Underworld, right? He, he mm-hmm. could turn into a werewolf, you know, at will. So that just it just reminds me, what's that Rick and Morty, <laughs> like, they, uh, interdimensional cable joke? It's like, oh, man, I forget. It was like werewolf detective, I think. Oh, man. Yeah, that'd be great. So <laughs> we might be getting that. And there's also speculation that werewolf by night could be one of the supernatural characters that could show up somewhere like Moon Knight. So Moon Knight, yeah. And if you're going to do that, you could do vampires. There's a lot of things you could do through that special that could actually make it worthy of kind of like focusing on, right? Not just a throwaway. I totally, I didn't mean to, but it fit in with our Halloween theme. I sounded like David S. Pumpkins when I did that impression. That would be amazing. Wouldn't a werewolf by night? And David S. Pumpkin's crossover be amazing. It would. Yeah. Kofi. I mean, I'm all about the holiday specials of any kind. <laughs> Sometimes I just wonder what I'm doing here. Any questions? Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's not the way we expected the Marvel supernatural universe to kind of blow wide open, but here we are, right? Like, you don't ever know what's coming these days. This, uh, yeah, this Disney Plus is wild. So do you guys think there's any any win to this? Do you think this could be a thing? I'd love it. I I think that like we kind of get a little ahead of ourselves when it's hot outside and there's no holidays going on. And I think that any kind of holiday special would be great. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm tripping. This is not going to start. This, this will be like later. This would be like 2023. This right. Is coming out. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I was really kind of messed up. 2023. Well, it's going to begin production in early in 2022. 2022. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I was so like, it's Halloween, son. Yeah, yeah, that's what I it, thought it was too. But it would no. be nice for because we obviously do our homework on this show. No, can I'm just we kidding. just address again? <laughs> I'm just saying the MCU is becoming Latino. Just want to throw that. Love out. it. <laughs> just want to throw that out there. Love that they're looking for a Latino star. Woohoo! Matt's uh, agenda is still at work. I, yes. Damn straight. Uh, but but I do love. I, I mean, look, it makes it makes total sense. By the way, for Disney Plus to start doing holiday specials. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, uh, that's like brilliant the fact that I mean, it hasn't yeah, kind of happened it, yet it's kind of amazing it's going to be 2022 or 2023 before it really happens but i think werewolf by night i mean there's so many characters that kind of fit 
into certain holiday themes in Marvel. So I think mm-hmm. that's brilliant. And yes, then you can bring the fact that I am surprised at the fact that if this is true, that probably means then that the character won't debut in Moon Knight. So if they're if they're kind of saving that well, for like I don't know, like it. It's, it's it all, cameo, it's, maybe? Yeah, the timing is so confusing so because, confusing. M- like, presumably Moon Knight's going to come out and, while this thing is either in or finishing production, right? Okay. So it, you could introduce him in that because Moon Knight is in production right now, right? Like, it's getting ready for yeah. it, or mm-hmm. yeah, like so. it's, it's it's actually right. Yeah. It's like there are they are so, either a, right about to start or it's already started. Yeah, so that'll be our kind of introduction into the Marvel Supernatural universe, really. Then this would come out as a special that kind of does anything. And this could actually come a little bit before Blade, if I'm remembering the timing yeah, right. Yeah, Bold Rats think, be in the chat says we have yeah. to introduce Vampire somehow. Yeah, and like Blade would be coming in late 2023, around Halloween 2023. Okay, yeah, so. All right. So, yeah, this could be coming right around that time. They could put this out right around then. Or they could do if they could get it done in time, I guess, uh, Halloween 2022. Um, so like, yeah, man, this could, it, this could be just the beginning of a whole Marvel supernatural universe. That's just taking shape around us. Right. Yeah. That'd be so, fun. yeah. And I'm kind of like trying to remember, cause there's all these other, I mean, there's so many things like this. I forget if they're doing like, aren't they doing like a dark hold series or something like that? Oh God. I can't remember all this. I um, remember there being a dark hold project. I yeah. have no idea. If Where, how, yeah. I can't remember or, either. Uh, um, yeah. But they are doing more specials like this. Like James Gunn is working on the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, right? And that's Love like 2022, that. 2023, yeah. one of the two. So, yeah, looks like we're going to be getting this stuff. That's kind of cool. Werewolf by Night. Who knew, right? Like, of all the Marvel <laughs> characters we've been arguing about, who knew Werewolf by Next Night? Next, it's going to be like, hey, here's a typeface movie. And I'm going to be like, huh? Before long, we're going to be hearing Sony's Cardiac is in development. <laughs> we better get that before typeface. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, be easy. We are talking about Darkhawk today. I think that's a win for Yeah, you. we are. All right. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to keep on rolling through our recaps these week. this week. We got to talk about Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf, the new What If episode, the new Titans episode. We're going to get a little dark for a minute and talk about Bob Ross. And then we're going to talk about the oh. comics of the week. All right. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. We are back. All right. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation. We were just talking about the Spider-Man Away Home trailer and Marvel's new upcoming Halloween special about Werewolf by Night. 
But now we're doing into our kind of a TV streaming recap of the week. And we are going to let Matt start with The Witcher. The Witcher. Uh, I'm so, by the way, I cannot tell you how happy I am that I saw Kofi uh, tweeting about this. <laughs> it made, it made what? Sense. I was talking about something that like scarred my mind. No, 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 no. It, the fact like, that it like resonated and like it was like it was not like it was yes, awesome. It I was, was still paying awesome. attention. Yes, it was awesome. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Nightmare of the Wolf is of course a prequel series uh, to the mainline Witcher series on Netflix. Like that one, they are both based more on the books than the games, though. In both, there are elements taken uh, from those as well. Uh, this one is set way before uh, Geralt comes into the picture as the kind of main Witcher. Uh, and we're going to now question, are we going to do spoilers or no? Yeah, bro. This is a week later. We're doing. OK, this is, cool. I mean, this All is right. a full spoilers discussion. So, yeah. Spoilers. Nightmare of the Wolf spoilers. I didn't want to touch stuff unless. Yeah, that I mean, it's there. out there on Netflix. It's been there for a week. OK, so cool. Like, yeah. um, so uh, there is, of course, a great little hat tip uh, to Geralt in this uh, towards the end. Uh, and also you get to see kind of how Vesemir, how he was in his prime. It, it's so cool to just see this character. Cause I, I'm so used to the kind of the older mentor version in the games and in the books. And so it's just awesome to see like, he's kind of cocky. He's a little, he's a little brash, but he's still so talented and skilled at his job. It was just awesome. Like I would watch so many more things with younger Vesemir in it. Uh, and then you actually get to see the fall of Kermorin and how that happened. And there is some big changes as well. They, they make one major change uh, kind of to the overall mythology uh, in how witchers and monsters interact. And the fact that like witchers create uh, started creating monsters because like they were kind of starting to, to fade out. They were doing their jobs too well. And so to kind of keep on the line going. You know, certain witchers made decisions. And so, like, that's really interesting because it it opens the it was always going to be a thing of like, OK, how do a bunch of townspeople essentially take on a fortress that is full of witchers and win? Like, that was always one thing, like, you know, there was this mob and stuff. And yes, numbers can do that. But like, you're always kind of like, how how is that plausible? And I thought introducing that wrinkle into the mythology one opens up the fact that like, yes, you would get it. It wasn't just like a ragtag group. It was like an army because it was people not liking this. And then also they add another element to the mix, a supernatural element that also kind of changes the odds. And so I was like, okay. And that leads to a badass final, final sequence. So I, I thought, you know, all the things we kind of talked about before, like showing the trial, of the grasses and how brutal it was and how, why so few people made it through that training to actually become witchers. Like I thought that was really, they did a really good job of illustrating that in a brutal way sometimes. Um, but I thought there's so much of the witcher mythology. First here, of all, that really was the second job. best line in this. It was like, <laughs> did you know what it was going to be like out there that everyone would, you know, that like no one would survive. And he was like, and his answer is like, what witchers would. Yeah. Right. And he's so it's so matter of fact. And like Deglin is a really I mean, he doesn't have like as much dialogue as like Vesemir, of course, but he has some of the best matter of fact lines. And, and you understand where they're coming from, even though they're kind of doing some screwed up things. So um, I, I really enjoyed it. I came away just loving this. Uh, the action. I mean, look, the the animation's gorgeous. The fight scenes are just really stylish and fun. But I just thought with the mythology 
when we talked to the team in our interview, it was kind of like that part is talked about a lot in the books, but it is not defined. So there is, you know, we know about some of these bigger things, but they didn't go into a ton of detail. So it was kind of open for them to, to move things around. And I thought they did a really good job of making it feel like it's part of it, it feels seamless. Uh, and we'll have an article, of course, that, like how this fits into the timeline of the main series and things like that. And there's also someone's uh, there's al- already some Easter eggs in the season two images from this. So there are going to be fun ties. Um, I-, I thought it was really good, man. I came away freaking loving this. But what would you guys think? I think that it was interesting what happens when you see like a Witcher character or like an actual Witcher that has like personality. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was kind of like really, 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 really kind of fun. Actually, I actually had a good time with this. And like I said, Vesemir is kind of like a really entertaining guy and just seeing his skill and kind of he's like a Witcher gambit, which was kind of nice to see um anything gambit is nice to see but uh like a witcher gambit was nice to see and his relationship with his master or his you know mentor that i like that they they that was good dynamic chemistry they had and that made this kind of a weird father surrogate son tale and it made the twist of you know seeing what his mentor did to keep the Witcher business going and all that, like that much more resonant and why he had to kind of, and it just had good, it had good ties. It was actually a good story. Like his ties to the woman who ages, all of that was great, but I still have one criticism of this thing that I got to say is really kind of throwing me off about the Witcher franchise which is more so, I don't know if it's just me or this is how people felt with Game of Thrones, but I'm still having so much trouble keeping some of the names, the places, like the lords and the hierarchy all straight. Yeah. You say stuff and it's just like gobbledygook. Like, and I'm just like, <laughs> it's just nuts. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, it's one of those things that like, I, I totally understand it. Um, I probably, when I watched, you know, the, t- half an episode watch the game like well, i remember what it was like hearing you i think it was you and brandon i think or you and charlie it was a couple of times where we had podcasts where you guys would be talking about stuff with game of thrones and i'd be like none of this rings like it's like oh this place and the lord of the da, 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 like uh, pff, I, you know whatever i under i totally get that because this very much has its defined places and and concepts and things so i I do think they do a pretty good job of introducing you to some concepts, but there is still some of that exposition lore stuff that it might not click. Janelle, did you have a chance to watch this or not? I'm not sure. I sure did. What'd you think? Amazing. Ah! So shocked. I did not expect this at all. Uh, again, I'm not as into animated things <laughs> and I was pleasantly surprised yet again like this and what if have just been they've like I've just been so pumped lately uh, with you know anything animated lately anyways the first scene like the very first scene just hooked me right away like the gore the intensity like I was just shocked like with the I don't I hate spoiling but like straight up like the tentacle coming through the dad's face at the little girl. It was just so intense. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. I'm, I'm really surprised at how hooked I was. I started off on an iPad. And after that first scene, I was like, oh, no, no, no. 
I need to watch this on the big screen. Like this is really, really cool. So uh, really excited how it ties into The Witcher, obviously like Gareth that we all know and love. Um, and it, it was just, I mean, you guys said it really well. You wrapped it up perfectly, but it's, I highly suggest everyone go watch this. Not, you don't even have to have liked the game. Um, it's just, it's, it's a good standalone in my opinion too. Yeah. I mean, I think this was, I remember when we talked when this project was taking shape about like what it would be for the Witcher to kind of hit the anime track. And I think this was proof positive that it actually really works even more so in some ways than Castlevania and shout out to Addy Shankar. If you're, if you're listening, Addy, I'm not, you know, me, I love, I love Castlevania, but I'm just saying for the Witcher to kind of help immerse us in that world and flesh it out. Animation provides, you know, many more, opportunities for the action the magic the monsters and all that 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 are harder to pull off in live action obviously so this was a good introduction to it and it made it feel like yeah there's a lot you could do with this franchise in that format as well as the live action stuff we're getting so good for the good for the witcher good for netflix yeah this it suits the format really well and so and the fact we're also i mean this is not the we're getting a live action prequel series as well so that'll be interesting which is set even further back. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I hope I hope this is not the last of this we see. No, this is good. All right. So moving right along from The Witcher to <laughs> let's do Titans because Matt, I know you were hyped about Titans. So uh, why don't you go off and dude? Oh my God. This is the one. Basket me blow of this. Oh my God. So Titans just set the stage. So it's Titans season three. We're going to talk in spoilers. If you guys haven't been watching, Rich will need a Titans season three spoilers warning coming up because, uh, yeah, so far things have been getting hyped. The Titans are taking on Red Hood. And uh, this episode was a very pivotal episode. And uh, I know Matt was very excited for us because he got the preview episodes. And, and this was one he was very excited for all of you to see. He's been going on and on about it. So, Matt. Go off, King. There you so, go. There's your right, so we got, we got a spoiler. All right. So yes, Lazarus. Uh, this is the one we had to, we had talked about a couple times in like getting the context of what happened. So here is where you get all the context of why Jason Todd and the Scarecrow have this kind of partnership. What the, what he was uh, the drug he was inhaling, like all that stuff. How he came back, like all that stuff happens in this episode. Um, and I thought it was I thought they actually did really, really well for as much as they need to fit in. And for because, I mean, we all know, right, he was he was alive pretty quickly. Uh, and we were like, well, how how did he come back so quickly? But like, I think they do a good job of putting all those puzzle pieces together. The thing is, though, that's that's really not why I love this episode. This episode is so good just because Jason Todd. Um, Walters does such an amazing job here in like two specific sequences. Like it's just good acting. Like he's just, I was just in, like I was, Im I was immersed in the story between him and Bruce and him and Tompkins. And like, he has to go to like, he has to go to a, a therapy essentially because like Bruce makes him go before he can become Robin again. And that back and forth between like Leslie Tompkins and him is just so it's so interesting. And there's, and you're getting down to like some really rich character stuff. And, you know, she's like, you don't have to, I love that. She's like calls Bruce, like borderlines. Uh, what did she say? She, he has like borderline multiple personality disorder. Borderline I think. Personality yeah. disorder. Yeah. Um, and like, you don't, you know, you don't have to dress up in a costume to like be okay. And, there, and there's, they go back and forth and it, and it starts out really contentious, 
but it's just a really engaging thing. And then we get the scene between him and Bruce Wayne. And like I told you, I have not been the biggest fan of this interpretation, but there was one point where I was like, but there was one sequence that he blew me away and this was it. And like, there's a back and forth here. Like I was just, I was glued, man. They have this just really heartfelt thing. And like Bruce continually screws it up. <laughs> he's such a, he's such a bad parent. He's so terrible. At this. Um, but like the back and forth between them and like, don't give up on me. And you know, he's like, I don't want you to be Robin, but it's coming from a place of like, I love you. He's like, I, you don't have to be Robin to be my son. Like, there's some really great stuff here. And and you also feel like Jason Todd's genuine anger. Like, you understand why he's angry here. It doesn't come off as, like, teen angst. It comes off as, like, there's a genuine you're, – you're seeing all the pieces unfold. So, like, all the Titans stuff kind of took a back seat here. And this was just a great Jason Todd episode. I feel like it's the episode that, like, justifies why you take on Red Hood in this season – why you let that character kind of take the lead. And, you know, I was, I was sold. Like I was, I was down. I mean, geez, Scarecrow, there's a great performance there too, but you know, mm-hmm. like there's oh, just this was it for me. I love this episode and I love Kieran and what he's doing with Jason. I love this version of Jason Todd, one of the best yeah. actually. Um, and I love what he's done with this character and his red hood. But uh, for me, the real standout was, was John was, with yeah. Scarecrow in this episode because this is the one where you finally got to see like mastermind Scarecrow and I always forget his dude's name uh the actor from Mad Men but uh I always call him Pete Campbell now um but um what he did his version of this character is different than any other Jonathan Crane yeah. take like we've ever seen as just like the pothead kind of like acting like he's aloof but still like a really sadistic kind of schemer and messing with people's heads and minds and psychology and all of that stuff is, is really good. And he's like a really good villain in this. And just to see to him like dancing around, like that a was- shot. <laughs> he's just like coming back from the dead and just like being all stoned and just like, you know, yeah, he's just, I mean, he's really good at this and that smile when he heard that Robin yeah. had died, like all that stuff. Like, yeah, he's doing a great job in this. So crazy. I mean, yeah, you guys said it perfectly yet again, like an amazing episode, awesome character development. I was kind of like, you know, I don't have as much background with Red Hood. So to get that kind of like full explanation of what happened and and how he came back and, you know, Raza Ghoul like that, that I'm, I'm watching Arrow right now. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I'm just like, yo, I'm just so excited because everything's kind of connecting and fitting together beautifully. This show is so just spot on of what I feel like this comic is about like it i'm finally getting like this dark like seriousness from a show in like dc and sometimes like i I think that's been achieved in the movies but the shows are sometimes fluffy and happy with like cw and stuff like that so this show just hits me on such a like it's it's depressing like i said if you're if you're binging it it's like really haunting and dark and 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 emotional and I feel that way like I haven't felt moved by a DC show in the way that I have with Titans ever before yeah man hell yeah 
It's really good. <laughs> all right, let's hop over the fence from uh, DC's Titans to Marvel's What If with an episode that I think surprised all of us this week. I don't think any of us guessed like what this was doing this week. God, there's so, so much content. I'm so happy. More content. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody in the comments said Crane's dance was greater than Zemo's dance. And yes, no. I do. I, I think DC has won the awkward dance yes. contest. We just got to, somebody's got to get on it and make more Titans memes. We need that dance gif. Yeah, out for real. <laughs> Who's out there? Come on guys. We need that Titan. And more we gifts that, too. Jeez, yeah, we need like that scarecrow dancing gif out there. There's surprising so little Titans gifts. I was, I was looking for them today. So anyway, Back to that. That's a that's a detour. We sometimes take some hard detours here. But uh, getting back to Marvel's What If. So I love this episode of What If this week because I think it is the one that feels the most detached from the MCU, even though it was clearly about the MCU, but more in the actual pure spirit of the What If comics, which is using the framework of altered Marvel continuity to actually tell still a story that had a point to it and its own individual story, standalone story point. And that's what this one did. So we're going to get into spoilers. Sorry, Rich. I know you're back there making it happen, but uh, we're going to need what if spoilers. I'm sure. Yeah, there we go. We got that loaded up, I'm sure. So, uh, yeah, we're going to get into what if episode three. And uh, this one was about what if the Avengers had never survived or Earth's Marty's heroes had died. And it was a look at how the members of the Avengers initiative were targeted for assassination and being taken out. And Natasha Robinoff got framed for it. And I personally thought going in that we were going to get the story of how she never really left the red room and it would be revealed like she was still like a great actress and fooled everybody and really killed everybody. But uh, no, no, there was a big twist in this episode, which, of course, is that it's also an Ant-Man story. Uh, Hank Pym uses his Ant-Man, well, yellow jacket rather tech and uh, kills all of the Avengers in some pretty gruesome ways. Like that Hulk, Hulk got a cured, and like I was like, oh man, that's pretty intense. Uh, and if you don't know what that reference means, you should sit down and watch Akira. But Hulk got totally cured, and like I was just like, oh man, this is intense. But uh, it, it was a good episode because it was just a standalone story that mixed up elements of the Marvel universe in a slightly different way. And having Hank Pym be revealed as the villain of it was a was a nice twist and a nice little surprise, right? And it, it wasn't just didn't feel like a carbon copy of one of the movies with, you know, a different character in place. Right. Because that's what the first two episodes arguably are. They are, you know, the first Avenger with with Captain Carter instead and Guardians of the Galaxy with, you know, Black Panther instead. So this one actually felt like something new while being something familiar. And uh, I really dug it. Janelle. Yeah, I, I'm loving What If. I am adoring the show. I, I'm shocked and excited and awed and just it's making me love these characters more and more because in the end, like if you don't if you don't have that extensive comic book background and you haven't gotten to know these characters really intimately, like it it isn't always enough if they just get like one of their own movies or they're in Avengers a few times. Like even with Loki, like I always loved Loki, but now I love Loki with his series. So I feel the same way. And what if like I feel closer to characters that, you know, I, I get to explore more like Black Widow after watching the movie release. When I saw her in What If, I'm like, yeah, it's Black Widow before I would just be like, yeah, it's Black Widow. But it's nice because we're getting more content. I'm, I know that's so annoying, but we are. We're getting more content of these awesome characters and, and 
it feels nice to see them in any way, like whether it's what if on an, you know, alternate dimension or multiverse fun stuff, we still have, we don't know exactly, right? Like it still hasn't been established what, like what if is, has it? Well, I think- Is it like a different timeline? So I think what Jim was kind of referring to, because I remember last week he was kind of like, I'll be curious to see what you all think of episode three, right? Because it kind of starts to build the what what if is kind of general thing, right? So like the idea seems to be you, the Avengers are lost here in this universe. And so then that's where maybe all these other characters kind of come in. Fury's going to look for his new team and you assemble this team from the multiverse, right? To kind of take that place. Like I, maybe that's what, that was kind of a hint at. I don't, I don't know. But for it sure. didn't, what's confusing is Clint Bart. I mean, there's a lot of things that are confusing right. because Clint Barton died in this and in the fury that we see at the end of the first episode has Clint Barton with him. So, right. So like, it's, yeah, I'm not sure. Like that was kind of what Jim was like hinting at. Like this kind of begins that arc of like, Oh, this is what the series is about. Um, as just a standalone, I like, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I liked kind of <laughs> in that weird uh final destination way of seeing how everybody dies like it kind of like that was fun the deaths Um, were great (laughs) yeah uh you know i thought they did a good job with like hank pym and like looking like a lot like michael douglas and and kind of having the same sound i like that back and forth um I'm always going to give a, a thing a little bit of a, an extra boost because Captain Marvel shows up at the end. That <laughs> so was, was She awesome. looks like a badass. So I mean, yeah, that was Loki was fabulous in this too. Yeah, like, and we got a King Loki of sorts. He's Loki. now the yeah. Yeah. yeah, he finally yeah. he finally got it. His glorious purpose. Dude, Nick Fury <laughs> and the two captains would be awesome to see team up and just mm-hmm. like wreck some people. Like, yeah, that'd be great. I did love the line where we still don't know that Fury's Loki yet. I mean, we kind of figure, but like, we don't know, no. And when he flips, he does that crazy flip and he's like, boy, you look spry for, <laughs> like, he says, he's like, you look spry for, uh, for your, for your age or something that like that. That was so, you're right. Yeah. That's that very Loki. I love that. A great moment. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. Oh, man. But all right. Yeah, they've got a chance to do something with Fury that Sam Jackson would be like, hell no. You got to do Get that harness off me. <laughs> so they got some super spy time in. All right. That was what if. Still enjoying it. Still loving it. Um, yeah, I said we touch on this. I started watching this uh, Bob Ross documentary on Netflix. But I didn't realize how sad it was, man. And I don't oh want to break out the show too much. I thought it was going to be funny because, uh, you know, Janelle used to be neighbors with Bob Ross, if you don't know. What? Janelle's like I didn't whole, know that. Dude, Janelle's yes. like lost. Janelle's all six episodes, like all six seasons of Lost, like crammed into one person. Like, <laughs> and then like more and more stuff just comes out, and you're like, "Wait, you were there? I did not know this? Wait, you were sitting on the grassy knoll? Like how? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah it just gets. I nuts. am Loki. I'm a variant. Yeah, you just show up at random points in history. But uh, yeah, so I thought this was funny. I was like, ah, oh, you know, I went on Twitter and I threw Janelle on the bus. I was like, Janelle Wheeler's gonna review this on the show, and I was like, oh, no, I will. I have some stuff to say. Yeah, go for it. Because I okay. started watching it, I was like, "This is the saddest really thing." Sad. I have not watched ever. it yet, but I have heard like a bunch of crazy things. So yeah, I'm very yeah. Curious, I mean, so. it's haunting. Like I think because I knew him personally. Obviously, he passed uh, when I was in like fifth grade. So I knew him until I was in about fourth grade, and then he moved from our neighborhood to the beach, um, which is where he was from. But anyways, uh, this 
documentary, it, it sheds a light. Like if you're going in there to like learn how to paint, don't because <laughs> you're not going to learn how to paint and you're not going to see happy. You'll see happy trees, but you'll see the real dark side of, you know, a time when people didn't very, they didn't really know any better. Like Bob did not know any better uh, when he got into business with some corrupt-ish type people, um, which I, I didn't know either. The first question I get whenever I tell people like, oh yeah, I lived in the same neighborhood as Bob Ross. People are like, oh, you must have lived in a mansion and is in this gated neighborhood. I'm like, actually, no, we lived in a very, very modest neighborhood um, in Orlando and in a actual very rough area. And it, it is very surprising that, you know, he had the biggest house on the block, but was old. Like these are 1980s homes. And, you know, he, he, by no means did you think that he was wealthy. Like you would have never thought that. And now as an adult watching this, I kind of see why, because we've come to find out that a lot of his money was withheld. The rights to his name are, they don't belong to him or his family. They belong to these two not so great humans who kind of figured out how to swindle him out of that. I mean, I think I'm using pretty strong words, but you can tell in the documentary that like they're everyone they're interviewing is like scared to, to actually just say it like it is. Um, and you know, you're kind of rooting for the son who is now much older and it reminds you a lot of Bob uh, now that he's getting to that older age you know, he's, he tried to do a lawsuit uh, to, to get back his name. He can't even use his own name with the last name Ross in it because the last name has Ross in it. Like that's ridiculous. Um, but he did follow in his father's footsteps. He is a painter. He does paint instruction. Um, I do know, I know this, like um, there is a Bob Ross school that you have to be certified in if you want to teach or whatever. Like there's a whole thing um, in Florida and I was always like, oh, my dream is to go do this, like get certified as a Bob Ross painter someday, like bucket list. And now I'm like, oh, heck no. Like, I want nothing to do with that because that's supporting an ugly, uh, you know, uh, history. I will. But two things that I'll make note of that are pretty cool that made me happy was uh, they did show a picture of Bob in a canoe um, in a lake. And that was the lake that was next to my street. So I like, I got very emotional because I was like, Oh my God, that's Bob on the lake in our neighborhood. Um, and then he also talked about the squirrels and one of the squirrels, I don't know which one, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he even said, he's like, this lady brought me the squirrel because it fell out of the tree. And I'm like, I'm almost positive he's talking about the squirrel that my mom brought to him to raise. So those are really cool moments personally for me. And there are some sweet things um, and tidbits, but just be prepared to hear the ugly truth of business ruining art. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty raw, man. Yeah. It's pretty intense just to hear like just what was going on behind the scenes of that show. It, it got pretty sorted, man. It was just... It was really that that paint show came with some drama. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it got crazy, man. Check that yeah. out. Bob Ross documentary. Uh, yeah. All right. So Matt comics, take it away. What did we read this week? All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and start with the uh, the fan vote, uh, which was cool, which, by the way, uh, I will say I love getting all of the messages 
on Twitter uh, when everyone when you guys are looking for like comic recs or like, hey, I'm starting to see. I love that stuff. Uh, and I love that you guys are voting on these. So uh, don't stop that. It's awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for just taking the time to listen to our comic ramblings. It, uh, it, it's, it's awesome. So uh, we'll start with Superman versus Lobo. Uh, number one. Now I know we have talked about I, it was it was for a minute there it seemed like every comic like every week there was one comic that was like taking on something topical. I feel like this might be the king <laughs> of all of those. Uh, just the fact that like there is so much uh, real world topical stuff like woven into this very uh, unique Superman. Lobo story like it just it starts out like when I went into this I honestly did not know what to expect so I just went in kind of expecting a big superhero brawl type thing as not what this is um, we end up kind of diving into canceling people and hashtags and like it it was very it was not at all what what I expected um, that said I, I kind of came away like I, by the end I'll say this I liked where we got by the end of the book and there were parts in the middle that I enjoyed as well. But, but I actually liked the destination more because with the second issue, I'm more intrigued by what it sets up because in the second issue, we're getting these two characters, by the way, spoilers and coming for these comics Um, in the next issue, we'll get these characters back into their home planets, but they're reversed because, (laughs) because the person that, did this wonderful gift got got it wrong so we have like superman in like lobo's home planet and then we have uh lobo in like a remade krypton and so that is interesting to me so like i like the destination i didn't love every part of the journey but it was still interesting to me i don't know what did you guys think i thought i mean this one was weird like i said this is a weird one and it was like kind of a hard one for me to get through because it, it felt kind of weird and dense and all over the place. And like it was very mismatched, like the Superman stuff and the Lobo stuff felt very mismatched. Uh, but it didn't stick at the same time. There are a lot of details like I didn't remember. And I just read this yesterday. I did a lot of the details until you started talking about them. I was like, I was like, hashtags. What is he talking? And I remembered like, oh, yeah, it was all about like now people rising up against Superman. And then I realized it clicked for me what you're saying. What this book this book really is kind of a commentary on like where tastes lie and do they still lie with like a character like Superman versus kind of the brash, violent, you know, crass Lobo who could be, you know, more the tastes of today. Um, it feels a little bit late in that regard, uh, but I, I get what they're coming from and what they're going for. And it's just, I don't know. I think the most interesting Superman and Lobo will ever be will be that episode of Superman the Animated Series. And that's that's going to be like the peak for me of how much I care about Superman and Lobo ever getting together. Uh, and that was just mostly due to uh, Brad, what's his name, from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond being Lobo. How good he is. <laughs> yeah. And so, like... Yeah, Brad Garrett. Um, yeah, so he's just so good at Lobo, and that episode of Superman the Animated Series is is boss still. So, but uh, um, you know, Superman and Lolo or Lobo wasn't like a gym. It was not my gym. I like Lolo better. <laughs> Lolo. Lolo. Janelle, Lolo. What do you think? 
I I don't know. Did I get I am I am I wrong? I liked it. I was really into it. It felt long, but I I really I liked the story. I liked the characters. I thought it was interesting. It was bright and colorful. I liked the setting, like in vacation land. And <laughs> I I loved the the androids and I I just I, I don't know. I was really into it. It felt like the Jetsons meets Super, I don't know. It was just neat. I, I, and I also, I liked the villain and how like, or the, you know, the big scary creature at the beginning. Um, I like, I really, are are we spoiling? Yeah, yeah, we're spoiling. We're good. I loved, I loved his story. Like, I love this little, this creature story that like, he's a monster and he's awful. And then in the end, like he turns out like he's a kind little soul who's all alone in the universe. And he is like, it's just, he's like kind. And I don't know, it was just kind of cool. Like, don't judge a book by its cover moment. (laughs) And I think the way that they left it hanging what he did with Lobo and, you know, and, and the transporting them to the wrong planets is really intriguing. So right. like, I definitely want to see where this goes. I like, it did feel long, but once I kind of like let it go, like, Oh God, I'm going to sit here and read for quite a while. <laughs> Cause I always do that. Matt sends me a comic and I go, all right. I scroll to the end. I'm like, how long is it? <laughs> like that's the first thing I do unless it's oh X-Men. And then I go, <laughs> but um and I as soon as I like settled into it, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was refreshing and light and fun. See, that's why I love this. We have such uh yeah. we have such contrasting opinions, but that's what but that's why I love I don't it. have really high standards when it comes to like stories fitting in with other stories or like yeah. knowing these characters really well. So I feel like that works to my advantage sometimes and it also works to my disadvantage sometimes. So well, let's uh, let's keep the let's get to the no. Movie. Let's get to the thing while we have good amount of time and talk about what you really want to talk. I, about. No, I'm see, I didn't do that. I didn't <laughs> load it. I want to give everything its time, and then I can geek out at the end. I'm gonna let's talk about Superman seventy eight. Fine, here Fine. Superman seventy eight, even less relevant or useful <laughs> than Batman eighty nine. Yes, there you go. I didn't enjoy this one as much. You did. It's, it's so. It, this is so. That there's this book is still operating as if you only have the technology of the 1970s to realize Superman visually. Yeah. Like it, it's it's boring. Like I don't understand like where you're going with this. Like I don't I that was the movie that made me fall in love with the concept of superheroes. It, it, it I love the Donner Superman film, but this does not spark my nostalgia for that. It makes me feel creeped out that Christopher Reeves is dead and like they're making this weird zombie impression of him on the page. And like it just doesn't it doesn't have that spirit or that whimsy in it, not even the artwork or the feeling of it. It just it, it it's it's emptier. At least Batman 89 felt like somebody really loved that movie and captured the soul of it and was trying to work in that actual universe. This doesn't even yeah. feel like that. This feels like a comic book I found on some like random highway stop <laughs> newsstand. Oh, Just like a, some Superman promotional comic. Oh yeah, the Batman God. had like Easter eggs and things that were really cool to to look into and like really dive into. This one just felt there. <laughs> yeah, I also okay. well, I yeah, I I agree. 
I, I feel like it was fine. I was, I yeah, was, it was, I was fine. more like, it was fine. I didn't, I wasn't, would I go back and read it again? Like, will I assign this again at some point? No, probably not. <laughs> Cause uh, you know, it was kind of, was a number one and cool, but like, yeah, there's not really, I mean, here's what I will give it. I did think the way Brainiac looks because Brainiac is kind of like the, the big thing we're setting up here. I did like that. The reason he goes to earth is because, Oh, Hey, it's upsetting the balance. Mm. Like having a Kryptonian on this place is going to upset the balance of things on this planet. So I need to go eliminate that. I didn't like that as opposed to like, I hate all Kryptonians. Like I, I kind of like that. There's like a little bit of something extra there, a little more depth than just like, ah, Kryptonians bad. And I'm going to go kill them. Um, but that said, I agree. I, I did actually think the art did a decent job of kind of capturing the Donner ish stuff. Mm. But I also agree that like Tim Burton's Batman world is just so on a different level of just like visually unique that, you know, an artist even going halfway down the mile to like capture that will still make more of an impression because it's Tim Burton's world. Yeah, it, it also um, works because it's Batman and you can believe Batman the film realizations of Batman are always believable to a further extent because they don't right. have to like break the laws of physics as bad. Right. I'm looking at scenes of like Brainiac ship out in space. And I'm like, Donner could have never put this together or visualize this. Well, that's true. Stuff. It was very, uh, like, it was this very is, um, super friends. Yeah. Brainiac as opposed to that. Yeah. Donner would have never done that. Um, agree. So yeah, kind of a, kind of a whimper. Now we got the pleasantries out of the way. Can we really afford yes, we get to talk Dark Hawk. <laughs> get to it? Damn it. Uh, I've been wanting to talk Dark Hawk first. So uh, Heart of the Hawk uh, was what set this up that one shot. And of course that reveals that Chris Powell kind of the old Dark Hawk uh, sacrifices his life. And there's a bunch of questions there. And so the amulet finds someone new and number one, that is to me anyway, if you're a Dark Heart fan, required reading coming into this. Yes. Uh, if you are not, I think you'd actually be okay. Like if you've never really heard about Dark Hawk or whatever, you would be fine picking up this issue. But like, if you want to know some of the things behind it, you do probably need to read that last story of that one shot. Uh, but we get Connor Young, uh, a brand new person that will be controlling the armor. 75% of this issue is just setting him up as a person. There is no Dark Hawk <laughs> until the very twenty last twenty five percent of the mm-hmm. issue. That said, I would normally be like, "Oh, that's a little that balance is a little off for me," um, because obviously I want to see Dark Hawk. But what I actually did think Kyle Higgins did was make you buy the. It, it's slow. There's there's a little bit of a slow pace here, but by the end of that arc, that part of his story, I cared. I was invested. I was invested in his family, his father, the relationship between him and his father, relationship between him and his friend, the things, the inner workings are like going on around the school and the, and the city and things like that that come into play later. I was in. I was like, OK, like that. It, you got me uh, to care about Connor as a person before Dark Hawk gets factored in. Then once Dark Hawk gets factored in, I also just love the whole thing of like he doesn't know what the amulet is he doesn't know who dark hawk is because obviously dark hawk's like a <laughs> d-list hero so like he doesn't have the most well-known thing even in marvel's world so like people are like oh hey are you uh snap finger kevin hart snap finger famous are you uh dark hawk <laughs> is that that's who that is and he has no idea like he doesn't know who he is so i like that and i think that's going to be really fun to explore 
Uh, but then in the end, like the design looks awesome. I loved seeing him in action, the new wings and the claws stuff. Like he looks awesome in action. The new design kicks. Uh, so I, overall, I was I, I came away very happy. Uh, it was not what I expected from a first issue. But then I should also know that Higgins does this a lot. Like Radiant Black, if you haven't been reading that, does the same type of thing. It takes a while. It takes its time in setting up the person. In the long run, that pays off. But in the short term, sometimes it's like, why well, I need more stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it can be kind of boring sometimes. But for me, this paid off. So that's how I feel about Dargo. What did you guys think? Um, I think it is. I think inevitably comic books have been affected by superhero movies. And what you see in some of these like Higgins is like a the three act, right? Like in a superhero movie, you got to budget out how many superhero appearances you get in that first. Film. <laughs> right. You got three good scenes, right? where they get three good sequences and it takes 45 minutes before the first appearance. And this is kind of what that felt like. This felt like a very cinematic take on dark Hawk, which is, I think something they always have to do now in the back of their mind is create these stories with the knowledge that these could quickly become, you know, right. series or whatever. Um, but uh, it did a good job making me care about the kid because in forgetting about the old kid, because I was like, I, forget who old dark hawk is chris powell like and what that was and it weirdly made me feel well you know and this is just probably nostalgia but being a kid that i mean the 90s are when i picked up comics and really got into them and picking up that first dark hawk was a big deal in the 90s and that first issue because his was like marvel's big new 90s hero right that they were launching um, and I was so deep into those first like 10 issues of that series. And so this felt like, uh, you know, it took me back to like a kid again, but uh, obviously I'm an adult now. So I didn't have the same magic with it as I did with a kid, but it, it was fun nonetheless. Uh, and I didn't hide that dark Hawk's back. Yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Settle down. Janelle, what'd you think? Janelle's going to rain on my parade. Yo. No, no, it's not that. It, I, yeah. it, yes, the backstory was a very, it, it was it was a lot of backstory. Yeah. And, you know, I had a few questions. Like, I don't think it was very clear that the amulet transformed him. Like, I, I just kind of, like, it was, it was a little rough to understand what happened in that time. Like, I wish they maybe would have, like, explained his sadness over his diagnosis, like shortened that a little bit and lengthened like the, Hey, this amulet is literally, it's found me and transformed me because I didn't get that until you said it during podcasts. I just kind of went, did this hero come and save the day? Uh, like I didn't understand that he turned in to the hero. Like I, until like the end. And I'm like, Oh, I, I assume that he was the one that saved the day. Like I had to just kind of assume it. Gotcha. They, they weren't very clear. Um, but other than that, that's like nitpicky stuff um, with art and you know, whatever, but it was, it was pretty good. Like I'm, yeah, we'll see. Like I, I felt an emotional attachment to him right away. So yeah. that was really nice. Like, I think they did a great job of, you know, seeing someone be diagnosed with a really terrible illness at such a young age. And like that, that definitely like got me in the feels. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like really intense. And, and I do appreciate seeing that, but I, I, you know, it was, yeah, it was good. Yeah. I, I will, I, what I will say though, is I think you make a really good point because number one, uh, I'm coming in 
on a on a hype level, right? Um, and also, like, so the way Darkhawk works is that he actually doesn't transform. He mm. swaps space in. He's he swaps out essentially. So he is controlling the armor, okay. but he is not inside there. It's it's an androidish type of thing so it's standing in for him as opposed to him transforming into it okay Um, then that that really makes that is not clear because they don't go into that yeah i imagine we're gonna get more fleshed out about that in the next issue or two yeah but that part is like because he is dealing with this still so even if he was in the army you know i mean so there's gonna be some interesting things of like he has all this power but you know, there's kind He's of this, losing the capability to control his own body. Right. Yeah. So there's and that was one of the most interesting things about the Thor run with Jane was that she was dealing with cancer and and, and sick in her human form. But mm-hmm. as Thor, like, you know, she would become this powerful thing, but also becoming Thor would stall the chemo. Right. So there's really interesting oh things gosh, yeah. at play there. So yeah. I'm interested to see what he can do with this. But I agree. It's not really clear. And, and if anything, like if I was going to make a tweak, I would have just shifted the balance just a bit yeah move that last 25 percent. maybe make that you know 35 percent, so you can get a little more of like an understanding what's happening so i could know that's a very valid uh Uh, i gotta commend them i mean trying to visualize ms and and that process if you've known anybody ever afflicted with that is uh it's a hard thing to do and they did kind of a good job of shining a light on that true yeah i thought the artist did a really good job of interpreting That. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, so so that is comics. All right. Well, we only got a little time before we get out here, but Matt, I mean, if you could do like a motor mouth, like two minute recap of of what's going on and what happened Oof, in wrestling, yeah. we can do that. We can do it. Uh, Go for it. So first off, we got to address. Uh, so it was it was a rampage last week. AW Rampage on Friday was the big, much talked about uh, return of CM Punk to wrestling. Uh, if whether you're a punk guy or not. And I've always I've, I've said, like, I'm not the biggest punk fan, but you can't help but get chills from that. I, I've watched that several times coming back after seven years uh, outside of wrestling and the comeback and, and delivered. And they and what I was hoping me and Jim argued. And my thing was, don't do that typical AW thing. Let him talk. Let him do a promo because that's what punk rules at. They did. They let him sit. There. I mean, it was like the first 20 minutes of the show was just him doing a promo and it ruled. So love that. Came back on Dynamite as well. Uh, and as for SummerSlam, so, so that was the big thing there that kind of dominated the conversation. And then SummerSlam, we got two more big returns. We got the return of the man, Becky Lynch. It has been my, like, two weeks. Uh, we got the <laughs> return of Becky Lynch and the return of Brock Lesnar. Uh, both were Brock Lesnar was done really, really well and was after Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns just pile drive through Cena. Uh, Becky Lynch uh, brought up a bunch of, of backlash because everyone was happy to see her. And everyone was okay with her winning the title. Not everyone was okay, understandably, with WWE just squashing Bianca Belair in the process of it. And so that is, she's going to be appearing tonight on SmackDown, which we will be covering right here on comicbook.com. So definitely, uh, we will hopefully get more information on that. And then as far as NXT TakeOver 36, uh, our boy, Karrion Cross did lose the championship uh, to Samoa Joe, though, this was Mojo rules, so that was uh, cool there. Uh, and then, of course, we got the uh, big debut of Kaylee Ray from NXT UK coming over to take on Raquel Gonzalez. So that was an incredibly tight 
three days of rest. <laughs> Good job. All right. There you go, Matt. Thank you, buddy. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we put up new episodes every Friday at noon on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook. If you don't see the live show, you can always watch back right afterwards on any of those platforms. If you just want the audio, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or tell any smart home device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast to get it going for you. You can always check out everything we're thinking and doing over on comicbook.com as well. And we have our Marvel-focused podcast, Phase Zero, on Wednesdays when What If comes out. If you want to check that out as well on this same Twitch channel, same uh, Facebook channel, I believe. Yeah, it's all there. So you can check that all out. If you want to come and follow the show, go to Twitter and follow at Comic Book Nation. Or you can check us out individually. I am at Kofi Outlaw. I am at Matt Aguilar CB. I am at Janelle Wheeler. And if you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. We want to thank you guys. And we have, you know, guys, it's getting crazy. But, you know, there's some rumblings. There's some rumblings that there's a place. (laughs) There's a place out there for us to go. That we may soon be back. We may soon be out of here. Back in the studio. (laughs) Scared to be happening. Uh, I'm just ready to get out. Ready to get out and back in the studio. See you guys in person, right? Do like a real show again. Wow. Like season one. What's that like? Season I don't know three, how to interact with people. I mean, the only way, the only, the only way to do it is Zero like, won't uh, be able to do that because like a lot of their people don't even live in the same town. Hey, don't worry about what that show's doing. That, hey, show's, that show's got its problems. Point, they got to handle it. I'm starting it. some drama. Yeah, starting <laughs> yeah. some drama. Spicy. Yeah, we, we're over here. We, we're going <laughs> to handle our problems and uh, we're going to be down. We're going to have a bolt. We got a pretty, we got a, we got a word is we were pretty new. Pretty uh, little new studio going on, so oh the show might be so getting exciting. an upgrade. We might be seeing you guys all together again, and and that's exciting. All right, uh, shirts, yeah, yeah, man, crazy. It's been a crazy couple of years out here. <laughs> this is Scotty Book Nation. We'll see you yeah. guys next week. Peace. Peace.